I want you to know what will happen to the Christians who have died, so you will not be full of sorrow like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus comes, God will bring back with Jesus all the Christians who have died. I can tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not rise to meet him ahead of those who are in their graves. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with a call of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, all the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and remain with him forever. So comfort and encourage each other with these words. Well, as we continue uh, just going right through the book of First Thessalonians, and the video, of course, introduces our theme and scripture for today. And it's right on what uh, I think Paul is addressing in our scripture writing for today, and that is that people have a fascination about and have a concern about and maybe... Uh, Maybe some fearful uh, trepidation about two things related to the future in everybody's life. One is death and what happens after we die and what happens to people who die before the Lord comes back. And the other is about what, is, what about the return of the Lord? What do we have to look forward to? What does that bring into our life? And so in our scripture today, the Apostle Paul gives us, I think, a, a snapshot of what he has to say about uh, dealing with death and about what happens when the Lord returns for those who have experienced death. And so we're going to look at a, a beloved passage of Scripture. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 beginning in verse 13. And the Apostle Paul writes and says, Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be there with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Some translations translate verse 18 by saying, therefore, comfort each other with these words. Well, I think uh, we, need to, we need to put the, the text into it, its concept because... Um, uh, this is why Paul was writing these words. And it fits right in. You might think, well, it's a little bit discombobulated, but it fits right in with what he's been talking about, uh, about their life and how they should live. You remember that Paul had a, a short stay uh, with the Thessalonians when he came and preached the gospel. And the response to it was, though, incredible. And people believed, and, and they came to Christ, and they established a church. But you've got to remember 
that these people were very young in their Christian faith, and Christianity was still a very young movement then. And so they still had some questions about things, particularly in the fact that Paul had preached that the coming of the Lord uh, would come soon. And we still preach that today. The Scripture still says that, that He will come soon. We don't know when, but we know every day it gets closer to that time that He will come. And so what happened in, with the Thessalonians was that some of their loved ones, some of their family, some of their friends had, had, had died. And of course, they were buried. And so they began to wonder, okay, these people have died, and the Lord hasn't come back yet. Will they miss out on what the Lord will do when He comes back? And so Paul wrote this to give them encouragement and hope and comfort as they would face the future about those two events, about death and about the return of the Lord. Now, there are two words that are so important for us to pick up on. The first one is the word hope, and we find that in verse 13. And Paul says, brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep, nor to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. He wants them to know they have hope. Those without Christ, those who are not in Christ have no hope in the face of death. But we who are in Christ have hope. And then in verse 18 he says, therefore encourage one another with these words. And there's that word encourage or comfort one another with these words. Now what that says to us as we are seeking in this sermon series to be the church and looking at this faithful church in Thessalonica is a challenge to us then to say that the faithful church has hope for the future. If you're a child of God, if you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have hope for the future. And you have a hope that, that particularly relates to death and to the coming of the Lord. I don't know how many funerals I have conducted where I've read this particular passage of Scripture at the graveside. Now, there are a few others that I've done. John 14, 1 through 6, uh, portions of Revelation 21, 22. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, great resurrection chapter. But I usually come to this one because I think it says so much to us in the face of death about what happens to death and in death and what happens when the Lord returns to those who have died. And it talks about hope and it talks about encouragement. And, and all of that hope and all of the encouragement or comfort that we find uh, uh, in a time of grief or an anticipation of the coming of the Lord Jesus is bound up in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so Paul wanted to let these people know that their loved ones hadn't missed out on anything and they needed to be hopeful as they faced the future and thought about their loved ones who had died because they would be with God and then they would be reunited as believers in Christ if they were still alive when the Lord came. So out of that passage then, I think there are four things that that we need to understand about this hope that we have as we face the future and as we think about death. The first is this, that Paul would simply say, we have hope in the reality of death. That's been an age-old question ever since Job, out of that struggle of the human soul and all that he went through, asked that question, if a man die, will he live again? You see, that's been a part of our struggle and part of our, our questioning. And, and, and you notice how Job phrased that. He says, says, if a man dies, will he live again? We know there's no such thing in there as the if. Now, insurance salesman, if you're an insurance salesman, I, I don't have any bones to pick with you except to say this. You kind of soft pedal that when you're trying to sell insurance. You know, and what do you say? You say, now, this is all for your family in the event something should happen to you. Or 
if something should happen to you, you know, or in the event of your sudden demise, your family will be taken care of. And I've said it to my MetLife agent, I said, because they play off of that if, you know, out of MetLife, for all the ifs in life. I said, why don't you just admit the fact that we're going to die and just, you know, explain. this is why you got life insurance. It's because you're going to die. There's no if about it. You're either going to die or you're going to be alive when the Lord comes back. One of those two. And he said, yeah, but that doesn't, you know, we have to soft pedal it. People won't buy if we talk about that. I said, I'm buying it because I'm going to die. I'm not afraid to talk about it. I'm not afraid to face death. So we have hope, Paul says, when death comes and we don't need to fear it. And we know that death sometimes can be a harsh reality. Sometimes it comes after life has been lived, a well-lived life, faithful for the Lord. Sometimes it comes in a very tragic way. And Paul said, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. I think everybody wants to know what happens when someone dies. And I like this letter that a little boy wrote to God. And he said, dear God, what is it like when a person dies? Nobody will tell me. I just want to know. I don't want to do it. Your friend Mike. I think that's the way most of us are. We want to know what happens. When someone dies. We don't want to do it. We just want to know what happens. Now, if you ask people, most of them will say, I don't know what happens when somebody dies. You know, it, it's just sheer speculation. But I think Paul is saying to us, you can know. And ignorance is not bliss. In fact, it's unnecessary when it comes to that. So he talks about some things in here about, about hope in the face of death. And that is so powerful when we face death. Our own death, or that's somebody we love, a friend, a neighbor, or whatever it could be. See, and, and, and you even think about this, most of us are even uncomfortable about talking about death. We don't use the word death that often. They passed, or they passed on, or, you know, a sudden demise, and all those kinds of things. When simply, the word is death. But he wants us to know that the hope that we have in the face of death is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he wants us to know that our difficulties about understanding death and about understanding this hope is the difference between time and eternity. You see, here on this earth, as we live here, uh, we are prisoners of time. We have appointments by time. We live by time. You've got to be at school at a certain time. You get out at a certain time. You get a break at a certain time. You've got to be at work at a certain time. You know, you've got to catch a plane at a certain time. The ball game starts at a certain time. I've been reminded that Carolina plays baseball at 12.30 today. So uh, if you've got tickets for that, you might, you might get there. You might be a little bit late. You might get in the first inning, bottom of the first, I'd say, at the very latest. Okay? All right, there you are. Okay, all right. Paul says so strongly about what he believes about hope about this and about time is that, that he says, this is by the Lord's own words. You see, here where we live, time comes and passes. It's just like walk, looking at your watch, the face of your watch, and that second hand going around. And you watch it go all the way around. That's one minute that's passed, and it's gone, and it'll never come back. And we're reminded that time has sequences, and that is it's past, present, and future. But eternity has only one dimension. That's forever. And I like the way somebody said it, as I read this week. They said, it is now forever. I mean, think about that. I had to wrap my hands around that for a while. Eternity means now forever. 
That means you live in the present now forever. You see, with our concept of memory, we can go back in time. You can go back in time and remember certain events, strategic events, maybe certain spiritual events in your life, and they were significant for you. But the one thing we can't do is we can't go forward in time with our remembrances. If we could, then we could understand that concept that eternity means now forever. You see, and and the book of Ecclesiastes tells us how that relates to death is this way, that God has placed eternity in our hearts. That's in Ecclesiastes 3.11. I think that means that we have a desire for eternity. We want to know what's going to take place in eternity. We want to live for eternity in the right place. But now we live in a world that is bound by limitations of chronological time. We can go back in our minds, but we cannot go forward. And that's how eternity is now forever. And Paul wants us to know that's what gives us hope in the face of death. That there will be a time coming when we will not be bound by time. And we will not be bound by chronological time because God isn't bound by chronological time. Then here's the second thing I think he says. And he talks about, take some of the harshness out of death. And it, he says that death is like falling asleep for those who believe in Jesus Christ. In other words, it's a peaceful experience that you have no fear about death because you belong to Jesus Christ. In three different verses, he talks about that. In verse 13, he says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who fall asleep in death. Verse 14, he says, We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. In verse 15, he says, According to the Lord's own words. He felt so strong about this that he had God's word on this. He said, We tell you that we who are still alive, who are left, Till the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Now, if you're hung up on death and you don't go to funeral homes and you don't go to funerals, I know people who won't even go make hospital visits. They won't go see anybody in the hospital because they just don't like those kinds of conditions. That if you have those kinds of feelings about that, you're not the first one to have that. In fact, in the world in which Paul wrote this, the Romans and the Greeks thought the place of burial was a haunted place. And sometimes people still have that concept about that. But it was Christians who came along and gave that place of burial a new name. And it simply meant the sleeping place. And from that we get our word cemetery. And it's also the origin of the word from which we get the word for army barracks. And if you've been in the armed forces and you've served, you've done training and whatever, you've lived in a barracks for a period of time, you know, about the only thing you have time for in the barracks is to sleep. You know, you get up at a certain time, you're gone all day doing training and all this, you come back and you retire with taps, and then you get up early in the morning and you go back at it again. About the only thing you do in the barracks is that you sleep. And that's the biblical image that is given to us about death. It is about going to sleep. See, the body of a believer goes to sleep at death. And that's a kind, cushiony way, sympathy way that God is talking to us through the scriptures today. But one day the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will rise first. And that's why sometimes people call the the return of the Lord that great getting up day. In fact, history tells us that Winston Churchill, uh, the great statesman, planned his own funeral. And when the time came for his funeral, of course, uh, St. Paul's Cathedral was packed with thousands of people who had come to pay their last respects. And when the ceremony ended inside that massive cathedral, 
uh, because of his planning, Winston Churchill had two, play, two buglers on the dome. On one side, one play taps to remind everybody that the time would come when everyone would die. But as soon as that last sad note of taps drifted away, the other bugle sounded forth with a resounding call of reveille, just to let everybody know that there would be a day when everybody would be awakened and everybody would be resurrected. And Winston Churchill was believing in that and claiming that as he dealt with his own death. You see, sleep is the, is the picture that the Bible gives us, falling asleep, maybe in the arms of your heavenly Father. That's the biblical picture of it. And Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's where we go as a believer in Christ when we die and we leave this world, we leave this body. I don't think there's anything really scary about sleep. In fact, when you get tired, you need to go to sleep. And that's the way it is with some bodies. You know, some live well past the 70 years. Some die long before 70 years come. Uh, Some bodies just get so old and worn out that it's, it's time for them to die. They need to die. But that eternal spirit within us lives on for eternity because God's placed eternity in our life. I think we find a great example of this in John 11. And when Jesus is the center of resurrection and the reason for, of that and talking about death is sleep. Because in John 11 we read where dear friends of Jesus, Mary and Martha, sent word to him that their brother and Jesus' close friend Lazarus was near death. And Jesus delayed four days before he went. I'm sure the disciples around him were wondering, why in the world is the Lord tarrying? And then Jesus finally looked at him and said, our friend Lazarus is sleeping. And to paraphrase what the disciples said, they said something like, well, good. When he wakes up, then he'll feel better. And Jesus had to hit them with the reality, no. Jesus Jesus said, Lazarus is dead. And then the story is that Jesus went to Bethany. He had some conversation with the two sisters. You know, one of them said, Lord, if you'd been here, our brother would not have died. And that's when Jesus gave those wonderful words about how he is the power of the resurrection. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall never die. And if you li- believe in me, and, and you, you, know, you shall rise again. He is the resurrection and the life. And he said, do you believe this? And then he stepped forward to the tomb and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus had been dead for four days. And Lazarus came forth, and they had to unbind him. Jesus said, loose him and let him go. There's an interesting uh, picture about that. A lot of famous artists have portrayed that. We've got a picture of one uh, that's in the National Gallery in London. Uh, it's by um, uh, a, a painter by the name of Piombo. And it's an interesting portrayal that you can see there. If you had it in closer detail, you might want to Google and look it up. You'll see that Jesus is kind of pointing down. And some people said that's because it's kind of mimicking Michelangelo's uh, painting on the Sistine Chapel where he's reaching out to, God reaches out to Adam. And the reason for it is that some historians say that this painter uh, had a spat with Michelangelo. They didn't exactly see eye to eye and get along. And that's why some of them say if you look at the face of Lazarus, it's actually a, a horrible caricature of Michelangelo's face. Well, I don't know what his face looked like, but you know, Lazarus has still got some cloth there. But you see Mary and Martha, one at his feet and the other one falling back because I think it was Martha who said to Jesus in the King James Version, it's been four days, he stinketh, Lord. And then you see all the disciples around in a sense of amazement. But it's in this setting that Jesus said, Lazarus sleeps. And that's what it's like for a believer. It's that we go to sleep and we wake up in the arms of Jesus. It's a pleasant journey from this world into eternity. If we're believers in Jesus Christ, that is, and we are transferred from this life into the life of everlasting life and glory in the presence of God and in his arms. 
Now, here's the third thing then that I think Paul says to us, and we need to understand out of this passage, and it's this, that we no longer need to fear death because Jesus has defeated death. See, in verse 14, Paul makes this statement in eight words, and I think it could serve as the basis for our belief. He says, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. That's eight words that are so powerful, so strong. That's almost like a, a statement of faith or a creed that we might recite. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. Significance of that is he died on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins, but he rose again through the power of God to show that he had victory over sin, death, and the grave. And as we believe in him, then we too will experience that same thing. And so we need to be reminded that we don't need to fear death anymore. In fact, the writer of Hebrews talks about uh, what Jesus would do and what he did and he said that one thing that he did in Hebrews 2.15 is that he would free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. So you don't need to fear death anymore. You don't need to fear death anymore because Jesus has conquered it. He's taken the sting out of death. That's what Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians 15, that great resurrection chapter. Death, where is your sting? Where is your victory? He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. David in Psalm 23 gives us a description of how Jesus handled that. He says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So that's a reminder that Jesus has abolished death, that Jesus has taken the sting out of death. And when we walk through that trying time, it is a valley time of death. And we do grieve, but we don't grieve without hope. We have hope. But we're reminded of the fact that we walk through that valley of the shadow of death because Jesus has taken the ultimate sting out of death. He's taken that ultimate sting out of death. He's walked through that valley and he's come out on the other side victorious as the risen Lord. And therefore we should not fear death. If you're afraid of death, you need to go back and look at your relationship with Christ. It's just simply like going to sleep. Just like going to sleep in the arms of your father. And, and Paul wants us to understand that. That that's part of our hope for the future and even the return of Christ. And then here's the fourth thing I think he says to us. And that is, because of Jesus, we are able to grieve with hope. You know, because we're believers, we still go through grief. It's a grief process when anybody that we love dies. And we have to go through that process of grief. And we do grieve. But Paul puts a condition on it. It's not without hope. So we have hope, and that's how we grieve is in that hope. And what is that hope? That hope is the victory over death, and it's the resurrection to eternal life in the presence of God. It's experiencing now forever in eternity. Now let me give you three reasons why we have hope in the face of death. As Paul summarizes this about the coming of the Lord and what will happen, really answering the questions of the Thessalonian believers. First of all, we have a living hope by resurrection or by rapture. See, Paul wrote that when Jesus comes, God will bring with him, Jesus, those who have fallen asleep in him. And see, what that says is if you have loved ones who have died, or if you die before Jesus comes back, you'll be in the presence of God, and you will be the first ones who will come back. You will come back. And, the, and he goes on to say then that then those who are alive and remain will be caught up with them in the air. See, those of us who are alive, if we live, if we're still alive when Jesus comes back, 
then we're going to be caught up in the clouds with them. And it's either through resurrection, that dead bodies are going to be resurrected, or it's going to be through rapture. And I think is what, what God is going to do is he comes in that appearing in the clouds, and, and it's like a thief in the night is what he says in the next chapter, and we're going to look at that next Sunday. And, and those who are believers are raptured. We're taken out. The church is taken out. And the dead in Christ are raised first. And it's either by resurrection or by rapture, one of the two. We have a living hope for resurrection or rapture. Secondly, we have a loving hope through, through reunions. These believers there in Thessalonica were wondering, what, what happens to our, our, our loved ones who die? Paul says, you're going to see them again if they lived in Jesus. And that's true for all of us. There will be a glorious reunion. He said that we'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Together with them. That's the key phrase about that loving reunion that we'll have with our loved ones who've gone on before us. We'll have a joyous family reunion. And then the last thing he says is we'll have a lasting hope in an eternal relationship. Paul says we will be with the Lord forever. Can't you see how when these young believers the Thessalonian believers heard these words from Paul that they were comforted and they were encouraged. Because Paul was saying, you're not going to lose fellowship or relationship with your believing family that's died and gone on. And you're not going to lose relationship with God. But you're going to be either resurrected from the dead or you're going to be caught up in the rapture. And you'll be united with your loved ones and you will be with the Lord forever. You see, for those reasons, we don't need to fear death. We don't need to fear the return of the Lord Jesus Christ if we are in Christ. So here's where we wrap it all up and we'll say, if we're followers of Jesus Christ, if we're believers in Jesus Christ, then we have a hope for the future as we face the reality of death and the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I need to say that because I think our culture seems to have the idea that death is optional. You need to realize that death comes in many different ways, many different times. And it comes every day. It comes every hour to thousands of people around the world. And it comes in some harsh ways. I read some statistics this week that almost literally uh, just, uh, just really broke my heart. And that is uh, statistics tell us that around the world someone commits suicide every 40 seconds. And someone is murdered every 60 seconds. That tells us that death is a reality and sometimes it's harsh. But the process of leaving this body and going into the presence of God is not a painful experience. And so we need to be reminded of the harshness and the reality of death. And we need to be prepared for that. And that's what Paul is saying to us. That we have this hope to face the future. In the face of death and in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what I say to you is if you are a believer in Christ today. If you've claimed him, your salvation is through his death, burial, and resurrection. He died on the cross for your sins. He was buried in the tomb. And he was literally bodily resurrected so that he would have power over death, sin, and the grave. And when you live in him and you belong to him, then you too will have that same experience over the grave and over death. Because of what he did, he walked through that. He took away the sting. He defeated death. And brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. And if you're not prepared for the return of Christ, then you need to accept Christ. You need to know his power in your life. You need to know the resurrected Lord living in your life. And if you are a believer, you need to live in confidence of the fact that you are going to be with him either through resurrection, if you die before he comes, 
or you happen to be alive when he returns, you'll be caught up with, with him. And you'll forever be with the Lord. And so if you have that foundation and that faith, then there should be no fear about the future, either for death or for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these words from the Apostle Paul that he was sure he had your ear as he gave these to uh, comfort people who were grieving in the death of loved ones. And he gave them hope and confidence for facing the future. Father, I pray today that as we hear these words once again, that we too will find comfort and encouragement and hope in these words. And that we will be prepared for that time of death in our own lives. And we will be prepared for when you send the Lord Jesus back, either to, to that we will experience rapture or we'll be resurrected from the dead. But Father, take away any fear of death that we might have. Take away any fear of your return. The reminder of the fact that we have hope through the living Lord Jesus Christ who gave his life for us. And it's in his name that I pray and call for decisions to be made for his glory. Amen.